once a kid fails so many times, their chances of graduation like diminish almost completely. Um, so the idea is do essentially, you know, do I pass them along so that they at least get a piece of paper to become employable or do I fail them, fail them, fail them because they may have had a whole bunch of learning gaps because of things like COVID. Maybe their parent got sick. Maybe their car broke down. They couldn't get to school. You know, whatever has happened in their life. Do I fail them? So now they quit or they burn out or they're too old. And now they have no degree, no diploma and no skills. Welcome back to I'm the Villain. So today we're talking with Nessa, who is a another fellow podcaster. And uh, we're going to be talking about education, which is like obviously so loaded during the pandemic right now. But yeah, let's just, you know, get into it. Nessa, you can just, you know, tell tell the audience whatever you think they should know about you. Hey guys, I'm really excited to be here. Glad y'all, you know, thought of me maybe as your teaching expert. I'm Vanessa. I teach seventh grade by day and have a podcast, Dignified Delinquents by Night. Do your students know you have a podcast? Some of them, some of them do. Some of them like, like found it. Not found it. They just they want to know everything about me. Oh, okay. Um, I'm I'm probably the younger teacher that they have. Um, I'm pretty open with them, so I t- I tell them about at least surface level, pretty much everything that I have going on because they're in this whole digital age and they're really big in um, YouTube and gaming and stuff like that. So I want them to see like there's a way that you could possibly monetize it, um, make connections and things like that. So we, we talk about it. They don't know the name of it. <laughs> I don't wear this sweatshirt school or anything like that, but they do know. Yeah. Is your, mm-hmm. your school's like not trying to uh, open up, is it? Or is it open already? Oh, my school is open. Oh, wow. <laughs> my okay. school has been open since day one. So. Oh, so it never closed at all? We did. We closed the remainder of the last school year. Mm-hmm. Um, but this whole school year, we, we've been open. It's almost like a like I'm signing up. Like, I know there's a great chance that I could get sick. Um, but it's my job. I really love my job. There's no other job like it. Like, there's a lot of pros and cons that come with it. So... I'd rather be doing that, risking maybe getting sick than doing something else and still risking getting sick, you know? know. Yeah. Yeah, I I know in Philly right now, they're doing, they're protesting because they're trying to reopen the schools and they did very little in terms of trying to, you know, COVID-proof the school. They put like fans in the windows and stuff. And so, (laughs) yeah. And so people are (laughs) in the streets with lots of signs being like, no, 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 no. So Philly is still completely remote. Yeah, but they're trying to uh, they're trying to transition to in person. No, I have six class periods. One of them is remote. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, two of them were, um, but now just one. Um, they've even in my district uh, kind of discouraged parents from keeping their kids home. Like if you're student, which. It, it kind of it makes sense depending on how you're looking at it. if your child has failed um, and they're not showing adequate progress, then they weren't even there wasn't even an option to re-enroll them for the on for the virtual 
you know, school. You you had to. So then parents are like, wait, 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 where's the option? I need to enroll you. So then parents had to go to the school and, and they had to do it that way. But if you just wanted to do it mobily by the third nine weeks, it wasn't an option anymore. They, they wanted kids for our we're still having state testing and there will no be no remote testing. So they have to come. These kids that have never came to our school campus um, will be coming to take their tests and the practice test to practice for the test. Um, so, which is scary on its own because the most cases are Duval or are our homeroom kids or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, did they uh, had when when they were having the option to be remote? Did they give kids like laptops and stuff like that, like you know, to try to help the people who maybe didn't have computers or Wi-Fi or whatever it is? Yes. So um, all of our kids, at least at my school, um, were one to one, which means they were able to come get a laptop. They were also there's an option for them to get a a hotspot. So as long as they took care of their stuff, yes, there was an option for them to get their stuff. But there was problems. You know, I teach seventh grade, so they're constantly losing stuff. They're constantly maybe taking stuff and maybe not realizing that they're taking someone else's We've had situations where, because all of the school laptops are engraved, they've shown up at pawn shops and things like that on Craigslist. So, oh my God. Or if it uses all of the data, so say maybe brother or sister's at home on Facebook all hours of the day. So now there's no data for the kid to do their schoolwork. So there's some caveats with that too. Yeah. I mean, I imagine there's also, I mean, I've, I've seen stats that there's just, Tons of kids who are just not showing up, too. Oh, right. That's true too. <laughs> it's it's weird. Like attendance is really strange this year. Like, I'll be honest. My first year, my class sizes, which is not okay, they were upwards of twenty eight, thirty kids. So that's kind of what I was used to. Um, this year, it's about fifteen um, per to twenty per class. My biggest class might have twenty five, um, but online. They they will join the meeting every day, but most of them have a failing grade right now. Parents have been notified several times. It's been documented, um, but there's just some disconnect. I don't really know what it is, but a lot of my homeroom kids are failing. What happens if they fail? Um, I have to prove eight different ways, not being you know extra, that I have tried to accommodate them, that I have gave them multiple opportunities to recover the grade, things like that. Um, and then if they fail, then they just fail. But there, there is a lot of steps to fail kids and that's a whole nother tangent. <laughs> and then the, so, do they have to like repeat the grade or like, what is, yeah. we don't even know yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't even know point. we know we're taking standardized tests, but we don't know what, what they're being used for or anything other than data collection. And we don't know if they're for school grades, for raises, for, for what. Mm-hmm. We just know we got to do it. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, what a wild environment. I know! <laughs> it's crazy. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's the thing is like when you try to, when people try to like calculate what is going to be the repercussions of the pandemic, like how do you even try to quantify the years of lost schooling of all of these kids? 
it's it's the achievement like it's big like the gap that can happen if a kid is out of school even if they're out of school honestly for a month Mm -hmm. if in that month we covered main idea which is the basis of all reading like your kid just missed that skill you know for the right for the school year until i reteach it again yeah um so the the gap you know because kids are not here this year is is definitely a problem it's a big problem and baseline pre-pandemic I mean, I don't really know what metrics they use to judge schools, but like I, I just listened to to Nice White Parents, that podcast. Have you heard of it? Have you heard it? Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, it, it was talking about how so many schools just judge based off of reading scores. And so like, Ooh. is that? We don't want to talk about that. Yeah. is <laughs> bad. Well, so again, language arts, seventh grade. Um, so here we have what's called Achieve 3000, which is a platform where they do all of their reading comprehension. They get a score that fluctuates throughout the year based off of how they do. Um, my grade should be around 975, which most of my kids are like seven hundred five to 700, which is fourth grade reading level. So most of, we have what's called data chats and they'll have to come talk to me and hey, look at your scores. And I'll have to say, you know what this means? This, on paper, this says, that you're reading at this grade level and they're like, oh, and it's like no one's ever put that information like, hey, in your face. Um, but also we've gotten away from reading um, 25 book challenge, for example, things like that. We don't do that anymore. Um, there's been a big shift to STEM and science and math, which is cool. Um, but if you can't read. Yeah. How are you going to do that? <laughs> you can't do a project. You can't read the instructions. You can't, you know, so it's. It's a double-edged sword. So how do you, like, yeah, I don't even know. Like, how, I mean, that it sounds like that's really demoralizing to to be in that system. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, but I I really, really love my kids. Um, I work at a Title I school. Um, My kids are a little rugged. Um... (laughs) <laughs> little behaviorally challenged but we have a really great relationship it's really cool to like see them grow um so when you said you have a friend that is still remote for the whole school year like as much as i should i would love to be at home every day but i would really really miss like the joy of being with my kids and seeing my kids and stuff like that so i don't know the basis yeah. of your question but i really love my kids yeah how long have you been doing it for <laughs> This is my third year. Oh, okay. Yeah. My third. Is that, um, is there, like, what is the turnover? Like, how long do people typically stay as a teacher? About three years. Oh, so you're literally right at the... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I would say it's a lot. Like, I was not prepared. I was not prepared. Um, there's just, there's so much that goes into teaching. I would say when you're in college, you kind of learn like the pedagogy side and like the theory, but there's, there's no training, you know, there's all these software systems and things you have to use once you become a teacher. There's all these, you know, the eight steps to be able to fail a student. Not that we want to fail students, but sometimes we need to, but you don't know about all of that stuff before you become a teacher. So then you teach your whole first year and you're learning all this stuff. And then my whole second year, I was getting like a little bit more comfortable. I picked up on some more stuff. And then this year, I feel like I'm finally like, I'm a real teacher this year. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, but it took me like two or three years to like trial and error, which sometimes I think back to my kids who I had my first year and my second year. And I feel like I almost did a disservice to them because of the type of teacher that I am now. So people, people do get out of it, but I think it's because we're not really prepared. We're definitely underpaid. Um, teachers in Florida just got a little bit of a raise. So that's cool. Ooh, it's lit. Um, yeah. So it's, and I think some people might get out of it. Like I want to get out of it, but I want to have a, like a bigger reach. So that's kind of why I want to get out of the classroom. I still want to work with kids. I just don't want to be constrained by, you know, standardized testing and all that comes with that. Cause yeah. that's kind of the monster. So what does that look like getting out of the classroom and not being a teacher, but like, you know, working with kids? I have no idea. And I'm trying to figure it out. Um, <laughs> I just accepted um, this opportunity to work with um, an athletic association, like Little League football. And they have about 15 kids. And someone called me. She was actually her. So this lady, I had her son and her son loved him to death, but he was hell and he so much to the point he's no longer at our school still love him but anyways his mom recommended me to another mom who runs this park and the mom of the park reached out to me with a a great I mean like twice what I was making with the school system after school um to be homework aid and then she was like we also have a summer camp and we need somebody to oversee that in the academics great so you know that rolls into something I also have a couple small businesses that I hope that turn into something. So it might not be this year if I get those tests taken, but hopefully like within five, I'll definitely be out of the classroom. Yeah. So I saw a tweet that said that she was a lady that was a teacher and she was like, Oh, when I show my kids a video in class, it's because I'm hungover. Can you confirm or deny? Uh, deny. <laughs> deny. Um, I will say maybe my first year, but my kids have never just watched a movie my whole, the whole class period. My, that is, does not exist in my school. If I want to have a job the next day, my principal never <laughs> better come see. If I show a movie, it's a five minute clip. So maybe they yeah do crossword puzzles on a day like that, mm-hmm. but a movie no, but no for real I haven't done that since like my first year. Yeah, I feel like showing movies for an extended period of time is like a mostly an, an elementary school thing. Yeah, if you do it at this age, it's almost like the kids respect you more when there's something to do every day and it's challenging every day. If you just show them play play work, they're gonna be they're they think you're playing with their intelligence. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I feel like seventh grade, like they know when you're putting effort in. Mm-hmm. Right. They definitely know. They know when I'm prepared for class. They know if I'm rushing, if I just threw something together like they know. So I have to be prepared every day, um, every, every day. And they'll catch you slipping. Yeah. So I can't. <laughs> <laughs> one of the 30 of them are going to catch you slipping or one of the, I guess, over 100 kids that you see a day. And they'll tell me, Miss Paul, no, I caught you slipping. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so y'all y'all have any kids in in the system? No. No, 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 no. So what is school like live? You know, I don't know. Do you know DeAndre? I mean, I know that like there's a big 
like struggle between like public school and charter schools in DC. I don't know what like the actual quality of education is though. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's pretty good from what I've heard. But I, I have seen that there's there's a lot more charter schools up north. They're they're starting to come down here. Um, Do you think that's a a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> It, it looks like a good thing because some of the schools are pretty good, you know, um, but like when I look at the whole big picture of what can come with the charter school is is not that good. So like I'll use Jacksonville, for example, um, a lot of money is being poured into our downtown. Um, Some would say it's being gentrified. Um, they're, they're putting up there doing a lot to put like the homeless population and things on the outskirts of downtown. They've moved the bus center and things like that. So now I know it's not too long ago, maybe a couple months, there's a new charter school, you know, not too far from the downtown area. So the thing with the charter school, they can be privately owned. Um, So then maybe this guy has a charter school and his brother might be construction. So now they're going to get together and build a complex apartment complex that's really nice all around this charter school so then the two you know come up together they build this little community we see them all look like we have Oakleaf town center here in jacksonville we have st john's town center we have what's the one more there's one more but they, they become these little centers um and they kind of push out the people who were originally living there so in the short view i think they're awesome yeah but in the long view um they do all of those things plus make public schools compete for funding, right. which I don't think is It seems like a just a, another way to segregate kids. Mm-hmm. Right? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, and how, I, what's your, uh, like, racial breakdown of your school? Uh, probably 80% black. Um, and the rest is made up of probably Hispanic, a lot of Hispanic kids, white kids. Um, I got my first Arabic kid the other day, mm-hmm. which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole nother hurdle because now I have to figure out how to juggle 20 kids. I have two other Esau's who speak a different language. And now I have this Arab, you know, they speak Spanish. So I've kind of got the hang of that a little bit, but this is a you whole other game. No, I don't. Oh, okay. But after <laughs> years of teaching, you know, every day we, we kind of have the same cues, you know, okay. that he knows, he knows what I mean or whatever. Um, so this is a new kid, new personality and a new language. So that'll be that'll be interesting. But yes, uh, we are a predominantly black school. Yeah. 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 My my friend that is teaching remote, she teaches like kindergarten, kindergartners and first graders with special needs and has to do it all over uh, video and has just been like she's like sent me Snapchats um, and just been like, yo, like one of my kids is like has me on mute and is watching the TV and one of my kids is like you know Let like me. is like playing with toys in the corner like I've never had such a hard time being a teacher before. Yeah, what do you do I, in that situation? Mad respect for teachers of special needs and for teachers of small kinder, like small elementary because you're constant on your feet. Like my kids, I could say be quiet for 10 minutes and silent read. Kindergarten that it's not gonna work. Yeah, um, this you know, kids with disabilities it doesn't happen. So, 
I have no idea how she does it. <laughs> um, I have seen um, an old coworker of mine. Her daughter has special needs. And I see some, they get really creative um, with the projects and things that they have the kids doing. But shoot, I have kids on my virtual. I'll call their name 10 times. They won't answer. Or they'll be way in the back. I'm coming. I'm coming back. I'm coming to the computer. Okay, I'm here with you. <laughs> or some will come on. Ma'am, I'm sorry. I was late. Like, I have one kid. Every day. I'm sorry I was late. I was walking my dog. I'm sorry I was late. I had to take out the trash. I'm sorry I was late. Like, dog, I don't care. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. Log in. Like, <laughs> also, maybe do the chores like, you know, 10 minutes earlier. Oh, in the they day. definitely make do chores in the middle of the school day. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> the parents fussing out the kids while they're at school. They got progress reports today. Well, it's like when they're at school, it's like out of sight, out of mind. But if they're sitting there in front of you, you can be like, hey, you know, <laughs> take out the trash. Oh, yeah. Well, some of them, shoot, you would think I have some parents, students failing. And, you know, once we get on the phone, I let them know. And they're like, well, yeah, I work from home. And I'm like, you do what? And your child is what? I don't I, I can't. But there is this there's this idea Hopefully it's dying or hopefully with my our generation, it dies. But that there's this like us versus them, parents versus school. Um, and it really should be or at least in, in our community, um, a partnership, you know, like you, I feel like parents and teachers almost maybe should talk once a week. It, you should know what's going on, not just for the negative. I do positive phone calls for my kids. You know, I wouldn't say all the time, but at least once a week I try to get one in. I feel like it should be on the other side, too, especially with everything um, is digital. You can go online to a website, log in and you see all your child's grades, all your child's attendance, you know what they did on the assignment, what I said to it. You can see everything and they still will not. So it's uh, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Dude, when I was in school, it was like it was like uh your progress report came out and that's just your grade. You know, there's no like tracking your grade, right? Like yeah. <laughs> you just got all year long. You got to keep a mental note, basically. Yeah. All year. You had to walk up to Miss <laughs> Jenkins. What's it my, can... what's my score right now? <laughs> basically you had to um, get your report card signed. My kids don't have to, you know, they bring it back. Great. Half the time I know their parents won't get it. So I really have to be, that is one thing with teaching out of school like mine. I have to be very proactive. Like, and if you're not going to be, I don't think you should work with the demographic of kids I work with. But I, I make a lot of phone calls like, hey, they get on a C. They're on a D now. They're on an F. I'm like, mm-hmm. come on. So, Well, do you think our mentality about it is getting better over time? Uh, yeah, for sure. The younger parents that I talk to um, seem to kind of get it a little bit more. Um, but unfortunately, we have a lot of kids who like maybe live with grandma. And grandma doesn't know how to log on, you know, to the computer and things like that. Or grandma doesn't know that this is happening at the school and she doesn't know how to set, you know, right now we have to have our um, conferences virtually. But if you don't set your calendar, you're running around at 830 in the morning, you're going to forget to come to this conference. So it's just little things like that. Or if you don't know to set a calendar, because maybe you're not a business savvy person and maybe you don't have a lot of appointments. So why would you think to set a You know, now you've missed the conference. So it's just it's a lot of little things like that. So I think it is getting better. I think we're just always going to have those 
those outlier parents that are a little bit older that make it a little tougher. Yeah. And it seems like you just have to deal with a lot of bureaucracy. <laughs> that, mm, yeah. Like impedes your actual ability to advocate for your students. Oh, yeah. It, kind of along those lines. Last week, my kids were working on writing. Um, so, you know, like a pair a essay is five paragraphs. These paragraphs is five sentences. Yeah. Like for most of my students and we worked on we are in class for 48 minutes. We for three days and all they had to produce was three paragraphs. So it, it is constant like, miss, what do you think about this? What if I put this word with this word? Like, and honestly, whenever I got done grading it, most of them had grouped the right. So they, I made them plan it and everything, but they grouped the evidence where it went, but there was not much of their own original thoughts, which goes back to their reading comprehension level because they don't know that many words. So it's, it's hard for them to, you know, come up with stuff. Um, so this more, you know, yesterday, I really wanted to keep going into writing and to scaffold and to fix all of that stuff. But standardized testing is coming up. So when I talk to my reading coach and I'm like, oh, I want to keep going into writing. She's like, I know you want to and you should, but you can't because we have to get ready for this test. So instead of fixing that, which is a skill they need, I had to go back into, you know, content and main idea and uh, multiple choice questions and things like that. Yeah. So. So what do you think would be the biggest thing we could do to try to make the education system? Ooh, welcome to my TED talk. Yeah, that's like um, really what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest things that seems small, but it would I feel like it would solve a lot of problems if we had more focus on mental health. Um and I, like I said, I work with a lot of uh, black and brown kids and they come to school with a lot of baggage um, and their parents have a lot of baggage and they uh, don't know how to react with their emotions. And, you know, they lash out a lot or they get upset a lot and things like that. So if we had a more proactive approach to that instead of like slapping their wrist whenever they're bad, but maybe let's figure out why they bad all the time. I think that would really help. And then they would maybe have some intrinsic motivation instead of being motivated by grades or candy and things like that. I got to pull hair, you know, to get them to do well. But maybe they have somebody to talk to every day. They could talk about their problems, get that out the way. Now they know they have a safety net. Now they can go through the rest of their day and maybe give a little bit of, of effort. So to me, um, maybe get get rid of kind of the school resource officer and replace that with maybe some school therapists or something like that. Um, so that's to me, one major step. Another one might be to reduce the emphasis on standardized testing. So I think it is important, um, as a basis of collecting data, um, Cause I, like, I want to compare my kids in Florida to the kids in DC and see, so I know all the kids at my school, how they're doing. I know all the kids in Duval, how they're doing, but there's not really a test until they get to PSAT and SAT. Um, that is a common denominator. So I know the importance of standardized testing, but like the example I just said, I want to teach my kids writing right now, but I can't, I'm constrained. So I think 
there, there, there has to be some kind of adjustment with that. You know, when you get into college, it's less of a test. It's more of a portfolio of work or, or experiences. So I think maybe something like that. But then how would we grade that? We need some kind of rubric that people would stick to. So that's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then maybe a third thing would definitely be some kind of way to inc- increase parent involvement. Um mm-hmm. I think if parents can make it to Little League practice and sit out there, they can make it to a PTA meeting. Um, you know, just little things like that. I think every school should kind of buy in and take initiative to do that. Um, but that requires another personnel, which requires more money. Um, so that's a whole nother. Number four, teachers should get paid more. There we go. <laughs> now it's and just like generally more money should be allocated to schools. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's. We got a raise. We were making 37 or speaking for me um, to now we're at like 45, which is that's which pretty is significant. Pretty that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but in comparison to the rest of the country, um, we just caught up mm-hmm. and we still behind. Yeah. Um, so. And then teachers who are brand new. So I've been a teacher for three years. A teacher who just started today is going to be at the same pay as me. Um, which I've been there for three years, so I can kind of understand, but a teacher that's been there for 16 years, which, you know, we have teachers like that at our school, they're going to be at the same pay, you know, unless you're at that grandfather status, you and this new teacher who you probably have to mentor, um, are about to get paid the same amount of money. Right. So. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, damn. What else? Yeah. I mean, well, it sounds like a lot of, of, of your recommendations really just, feel to me like I, I feel like I've asked this question a lot is like why what are we what is the point really of the education system and I feel like we don't have necessarily a, a really like well thought out answer to that question because like the mental health stuff is like obviously like if we're just gonna like I feel like our, our education system really treats you know kids like little robots of like you know like just like a pre-worker that's what you are like what can we do to like inject you with the skills to like allow you to be in the workforce right and it's like for whatever reason we don't see mental health as being part of that equation at all Uh, and it's it's like they're not even to what you said which is true they're making them like pre-workers but they're but they're not Mm -hmm. because all they're doing everything is teaching to test strategies and Teachers to the test, teachers to the test. So it's like when they get into on a real job, that's not a skill that they need. Hmm. You know, they need that skill maybe to get that job, but we don't sit and take tests. Hey, we have a researcher on on the line. To DeAndre said he writes papers all the time. So if I have a student <laughs> interested in that, I have to say, hey, you know, you, you need to be able to write yeah. in, in a way that people can understand it and that it makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. even, you know, when we go back and we talk about their lexile levels and that they're on third or fourth grade level they're like i can read more words than that and i'm like it's not about the words on the page it's about can you summarize can you pair can you put something in your own words can you use context clues to figure out what something else means because people do that every single day i do it every day and right now you can't do it (laughs) (laughs) y'all but now you need you need that as someone who yeah a part a large a large-ish part of my job is writing i feel like you know, obviously, my teachers did an amazing job at like prepping me with just like basic, you know, knowledge of how to like work within the English language. But I feel like, you know, the way that I write 
for my job. It's just like unlike the unlike any class ever taught me how to write. And that's why I like but I think that that kind of speaks to your point, Nessa, of like the kids they need you know, they need to understand just like the building blocks of language and comprehension and context because that is like what allows me to adapt to different styles of writing, you know. I was just about to say that you're able to adapt, you know, so that's a skill. Yeah. And that's another thing that they struggle with that I think kind of maybe goes back to that mental health. Like that's a skill we can or uh, maybe cognitive training classes or something like that. Maybe mental health is taking it too far. I don't know. But mm-hmm. we can teach them adaptability and things like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah. And like also, yes, having someone to ask how they're doing is would be nice, too. Right. Like. It makes, like, it makes the biggest deal. And it makes them a more caring person too, right? Like, how do you enable people to care for others if you're not modeling that for them? And they are mean. Yeah. They are so <laughs> mean, right? <laughs> Everything they say is mean. Like, it gets to a point where it's just like quiet, silent, and solo, which I hate because um, when you're, and um, some teachers might disagree, maybe some old school ones, but when it's silent, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what they're thinking about. I don't know if they get it or not. So I would prefer like some chatter in the classroom at all times. But yeah. I mean, I feel like they're mean because so many of the examples of like they're like when you're at that age, you kind of just have to like you're becoming a person with your own personality and you're trying to look for examples of like, okay, who's like showing me how to be a person. And I feel like a lot of the examples we have like on TV and like in the media are kind of mean, like they're not necessarily great people. They are mean. Right. And I know at home people are mean. Um, Yeah. And I know a lot of their teachers are mean, especially like old school teachers. And I love them because they can't have like teachers like me all day. I feel I feel like they need a little bit of balance. They need some strictness. But I really disagree with like teachers who are mean. I feel like they shouldn't be in the field. They should just get off and go where they are because I do. it, It is definitely modeling behavior is part is part of the job mm-hmm. um i say please with almost every instruction or every request like please sit down go sit down there every time they're like you're so calm how are you so calm all the time and i'm like i'm not trying to be trust me inside i want to explode yeah. um, but <laughs> if i do that then you think it's okay to do that so i'm like yeah for you're 16th like, time <laughs> believe me now, i want to spend a yeah <laughs> But I mean, literally, it's so it's wild to me to think about how I think even our parents generation, like it feels very clear to me that they were just not taught emotional regulation in a lot of ways. And still, we don't quite, I think, like have a grasp on like how to. And I think we're just now starting to talk about those kinds of things. Like, how do we actually teach each other how to like deal with conflict and stuff like that? You know, yeah, I was just about to say, we don't even we don't talk about it. Yeah. You know, and now is that there's this big push um, for mental health. You know, we have what's called Wellness Wednesday. So every other Wednesday. Oh, and they hate it. But I love (laughs) (laughs) instead of class periods district wide. um, So they are trying, I guess. um, But they have to watch, you know, like a 30 minute video and throughout the video, they'll pause it and. Teachers, please, you know, give students time to talk about this and, you know, we'll, we'll stop and we'll have a discussion. So the topics are things like um, cyberbullying, internet safety, how to know when someone's not OK, what you can do if your friend's not OK, 
um, how to be an ally, things like that. So they're good little messages. And like the kids are like, this is stupid, but I know you hear it and I know you're listening. And the more I get into it and get involved with it, the more they're they're involved with it. So mm-hmm. that's part of it. Is that is that like their whole class or the, all their classes or just like one class period of the day? So one class period every every other Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just one one period. Yeah. I wish we, I wish we had wellness week. Yeah. One week. <laughs> every like, month. We, like, we we're going to talk about your feelings health. every day, bro. <laughs> we should. Because, I mean, especially with all of those, um, you know, there was school shooters and we just had a little bit of room for mental health or to, to notice those kids. Maybe that that wouldn't have happened, which takes me to another point. Do you guys are familiar with um, or are you guys familiar with the safe corners or hard corners? No. No. What's that? Um, so there's code reds now in school or at least here in Florida. Um, that's like if there's real danger in the area, like maybe shooting or something like that. Um, but th- that also used to mean that you had to get into a corner of the classroom um, in case there was a school shooter on campus. But now with COVID, um, we don't have any drills. We um, do all of our drills virtually in the classroom. How do you even do a and drill so- virtually? <laughs> <laughs> That's what the kids are. They're like, so what are we supposed to do if what you're going to do? We're not doing it right now. But we're going to go out these doors, go down these steps, go around this corner, go out to the baseball field. <laughs> Don't we need to practice it? Yes, I, I believe we do. And if you feel the same way, have your parent complain to the district. But right now, we're not going. How are we going to know if it's a real fire? If we smell something, we'll run. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and so they, they, the kids ask the questions for sure. Too, yeah. like, wait, I thought we needed to do cold reds and I thought we need half fire drills. I'm like, no, like, yeah, but I can't huddle y'all in the damn corner because you, you can get each yeah. other sick. So that's that's exactly it. So hope y'all remember the map. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'd never thought about that aspect of like, you know, school safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's very real. Like I the. The neighborhood that I live in, not the, yeah, that I live in and that the school is located in um, is, is a little bit on the rough side. Um, so and we're an outdoor school and we were on a main road. So it's not outrageous that something could be happening and yeah. it could trickle on to our school. Um, it has like there's been activity in the neighborhood and we've had to lock the school down. So. It is interesting that we've taken the priority off of the safety drills. Nessa, do you have any other like, you know, just like for your, you know, first year self, like, okay, this is what you really got to figure out for like, you know, other teachers out there or anything? Wow, that is a good question. That is a really good question. Um, I would definitely say focus on the positive be as positive as you can. Um, let stuff roll off your skin. Like, if you and a kid get into it today, first of all, don't get into it with no kids. <laughs> That's don't, number one. Don't go back and forth because I think a lot of teachers, and it's easy, it can happen like that. And for and then you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa they're 12. Stop. Um, so I would say don't, don't go back and forth with them. It diminishes their respect for you. It makes you worn out. If you do, tomorrow's a brand new day. 
don't give that baby no hard time because of what happened yesterday because they're 12 they don't know any better um so that i would say that i would say have a positive incentive program some kind of way whether it's you put a starburst on the desk of people who are doing the right thing or you call somebody's mom or send home a note once a week um but building those relationships and being positive is well gonna make all the difference all all of the difference um kids will do anything for you and they'll tell you everything um so that for sure i would say learn the systems that that are in place in your district um and learn what you need to do and and how to be accountable so like i mean for esc kids and esau kids um and for general ed kids, there's certain things that you can do. There's certain things that you're supposed to do, certain things that you need to do 10 times, you know, for each set of set of students. Um, so I would really, really recommend learning all of that stuff and learning it early because I have a lot of students who honestly probably wouldn't have passed the next grade if I had all my systems in place. And so right now I have some students who are probably in jeopardy of failing because I do have my systems in place. Um, however, if we have time, um, there's this issue with passing students along. And you hear that a lot in education, but a reason for that, I'm not saying it's a good reason, um, but once a kid fails so many times, their chances of graduation like diminish almost completely. Um, so the idea is do essentially, you know, do I pass them along so that they at least get a piece of paper to become employable or do I fail them, fail them, fail them because they may have had a whole bunch of learning gaps because of things like COVID. Maybe their parent got sick. Maybe their car broke down. They couldn't get to school. You know, whatever has happened in their life. Do I fail them? So now they quit or they burn out or they're too old and now they have no degree, no diploma and no skills. So that's kind of what we juggle with every day um, when it comes to like passing them and holding them behind. Because right now I have kids um, that are like two years behind. So I have like 16 year olds sitting with 12 year olds and it gets weird. It gets, it gets weird and gets hard to control. So that's that. So, Nessa, first of all, thank you so much for sitting with us today. And thank um, you so much for being a teacher. I feel like you're like so underappreciated in our society. <laughs> you're oh, doing no. such good work. I love my job. My, you can hear that after the interview for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, I have two questions um, that I'm asking all of our podcast guests. Um, the first question is What have you done to try to keep yourself sane and or busy during the pandemic. I have a feeling for you, it's going to be working, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely working. I have a couple of small businesses that I started during the pandemic. Um, one of them is statement threads. I make custom vinyl, uh, make this sweatshirt. Um, I'm also part of a podcast called the dignified delinquents. And I have a culture and diversity company called authentic educators. So all of that started during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And second question is what once this thing is over, once this global death plague is over, what is the first thing that you're going to do? Or maybe not the first thing. What's something that you're really excited to do uh, when this is all out? 
go to a music festival. Mm, that was my answer today too. Don't ask me that. I just <laughs> give you a few minutes. Wow. Yeah. Um. Cool. So as always, you can find us at I'm the Villain Pod. That's our Instagram. That's our Twitter, and that's our Gmail. Otherwise, bye everyone.